Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, again, good afternoon. Good to see you all. Welcome to Mosaic Church. My name is Eric. It's to be one of the pastors here. And I want to say hi to our friends, too, uh, the Andersons in Hawaii and Amber in Florida and Sandy in California and the Olsons in Florida as well. So we have lots of people like to travel during the wintertime. So glad you guys can watch online later. Uh, do you remember your first car? How many of you remember your first car? My sister blessed me with a hand-me-down car, a 1988 Oldsmobile, not Oldsmobile, uh, Mercury Sable. That was my dad's car, and then my sister's car, and then my car. And uh, it was okay. It had power seats and stuff, but it started to rust out. The thing had a V6 engine, though, but, uh, so it could get up and go, but that meant also it was quite the gas guzzler. And I was one of the first ones to get a car out of my friend. So next thing I know, all my friends are asking me for rides, and I'm driving downtown uh, to Christian concerts, going everywhere, right? And the next thing I knew, like, the gas station was my number one, like, stop, right? And I remember just spending so much of my hard-earned money. I bagged groceries at a grocery store, earned, like, five sixty-five an hour. And, you know, so much of my money was going towards gas. And I remember one night coming home after driving to my friends somewhere and plopping down at my parents' bed and being like, man... I didn't realize that like how often I would be on empty. I feel like I'm empty all the time and I don't like being on empty. Like it's taken so much out of me that I'm always on empty and having to fill up again and again and again. I think that's true for a lot of us in life that we go through life being like, man, I didn't realize how often I'd be running on empty. I don't like being on empty. And, and what am I going to do with that? In my 20-some years as a pastor, I found there's so many Christians that are living on empty, in need of some kind of spiritual refueling, and not exactly sure what to do. But unlike an empty gas tank, followers of Jesus can be spiritually empty and yet appear as though nothing is wrong. It's easy to pretend that my spiritual tank is full. I can just smile and pretend like everything's all right it's so easy to put things on cruise control when the reality is maybe some of us are running on fumes, our gas tank is empty, and we're in desperate need of some refueling. And just like the gas tank on my old 1988 Mercury Sable, my spiritual life drains more quickly than I anticipate. Maybe like me, you've experienced some of these warning signs. These are kind of like the light on your dashboard that goes off saying you need gas when you're a little bit more impatient when you're lacking compassion for those who are hurting. You're more vulnerable to the temptations that normally you can resist, but it's getting tougher. You're short with people. You're feeling distant from God. Your insecurities are more prevalent. I think a lot of people walk around and they think they're the, they're the only ones feeling like, man, I think I'm the only one struggling with feeling empty. Everyone else seems like they're all good. I'm the only one like this. But the good news is we don't have to stay on empty. You can learn to consistently refuel your spiritual tank and experience the fullness of life that God promises. You and I don't have to run on empty. 
Here's the good news we can receive from Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down, that refueling, it's not a command to do more. That's good. It's an invitation to be connected. It's not this command of one more thing to do. It's an invitation to be connected to our true source, our Heavenly Father. Here's how the Apostle Paul writes it in Ephesians chapter 3, 17 through 19. Paul says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Why? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you and I can be filled with all the fullness of God. We don't get too much into like the Greek here, but when the apostle wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, he used what's called the present continuous tense. All right, what does that mean? It means he wants us to be continually filled. This isn't a one-time thing. It's to be filled with the fullness of God, to be filled and filled and filled and filled again. See, being filled with the fullness of God doesn't just happen once. We have to be refueled again and again and again. We have to be regularly filled up. And that's when we experience the true satisfaction deep down where it matters the most. The good news is that refueling is not a command to do more. It's an invitation to be connected with God. So let's recap. We've been kind of walking through the story of Jesus to prepare our hearts for Easter. And we're going to continue on on this journey. A couple weeks ago, we, we saw in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus, he went to the temple. He amazed everyone. But then he went home to his parents. But he stunned his parents. And we said, Jesus is going to confuse you. But Jesus confused even those who were closest to him. And so if that happens to you, don't be surprised. But then he went home and says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature or maturity and grace and favor. And so we were saying, hey, this is Luke 2.52. Let's set our alarms on our phones. At 2.52, let's pray every day this year. God, would you help me, like Jesus, to grow in grace and maturity and wisdom? That's what I've been doing. I'm encouraging you, if you haven't, it's not too late. Set an alarm on your phone, 2.52 p.m., not a.m., unless you're get up really early for your morning workouts. But we want to be like Jesus. We want to grow in wisdom and grace and maturity. Then we saw Jesus was baptized. And Pastor Jeremy did a great job preaching on that, that his identity was confirmed. The, the Father speaks, this is my Son in who I am well pleased. And his identity is confirmed, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Then, dripping wet from the waters of the Jordan, he goes into the wilderness to fight the devil. We said so often, we think when we're led into a season of dryness, uh, of the wilderness, of the desert, it feels like, man, why am I here? Have I done something wrong? Oftentimes, no. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will lead us through a season of wilderness, lead us through the desert to grow us, to help us become more dependent on his spirit. We see this with Joseph, with Moses, with David, with Jesus himself. And so now... Jesus has resisted the devil's temptations. And that's where we pick up our story in Luke chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went 
through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus returns and he kicks off his ministry. Now, the Gospel of Mark and Matthew give a little more details. Luke kind of condenses it here in his story. All the Gospel writers tell the same story from different perspectives. So they highlight different things. So Luke kind of condenses it here. But number one, the first thing we want to see is if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to get refueled, the first thing we need to do is to seek the power of the Spirit. Now, all my blanks, I think, start with S. That should help it uh, this evening. But first, we're going to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the question. Jesus is teaching. He's healing. He's doing these amazing works. By what power did he do these works? Is it because he's divine and he's God clothed in flesh that he's able to do these works? Or is it that he's man, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these works? Now, theologians debate this, right? But the the truth is, Jesus is both God and man. However, I believe that in this, he was stepping into his humanity, and his humanity was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these works. Here's here's why. Because Jesus said, you will do the same works that I have done, and yes, even greater than this. See, you and I are filled with the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do these things. We have that same spirit inside of us, empowering us to do God's will. And that is good news, that we can look at the life of Jesus and say, this isn't just because he's God and man, but he is God and man, yes, but he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, what you and I want to do, we want to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to open our lives up to the Holy Spirit's leading to say, God, I want more of you. I need more of you. I can't do this on my own strength. I need your Holy Spirit. And there's things we can do, we talk about this in the Green Book Interception Program, that we all have this pilot light, but there's things we can do to turn that light up. Just like on your stove, you can turn the gas up. There's things we can do to seek out the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to become more and more of a dominant influence in our lives. That when we fill our minds with noise and sin and just good things that take our eyes off Christ, what's that doing? Is that turning down that burner on the stove? And the Holy Spirit is not as prevalent in our lives. I said, no, no, that's not what we want to do. We want to turn that up. We want to seek after the Holy Spirit. I shared this two weeks ago, but you know, I used to think the devil waited until Jesus was at his weakest spot to do his temptations. He fasted for 40 days and nights, and he was out in solitude and silence. But I think Jesus, he was being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was communing with his Father. And when he was at his strongest, that's when he met that temptation. So you and I, we need to seek God's spirit that allows him the chance to speak into your life. And sometimes we need to slow down and quiet our hearts to follow the Holy Spirit. So number two, what we want to do is we want to schedule time to worship with God's people. So first, we're going to seek the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number two, we're going to schedule time to worship with God's people. What does that mean? Well, let's continue on in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, and as was his custom, what Jesus did on a regular basis, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. As was his custom, he would regularly go to the synagogue. All right, it's a quick history lesson. So the Jewish people had the temple. That was the center of their worship. When the Babylonians came and conquered them, they destroyed the temple. And, and that went away for hundreds of years. What was established was these synagogues, these smaller communities, kind of like ours, um, where you come together to hear teaching and worship and have community. A synagogue can be started by 10 Jewish men and their families. You have to have, and you start. So Jesus had his synagogue, his kind of small church, that he'd go to on a regular basis. And you would invite visiting rabbis to come in and preach sometimes. So this is a, a Sunday. Uh, Jesus has been teaching and preaching in Galilee, which is to the north, all around these different places, and Nazareth has heard about this. So now the question is, Jesus is coming back. He's been preaching, teaching, doing his miracles. You can read more about them in Matthew and in Mark. Now he's coming back. And so it's kind of like if you had like the old church sign outside, it's like, this Sunday, special guest you know, speaker, Nazareth's own Jesus is coming to preach. So everyone's there. They're excited. But what does he say? This is the, the text he, he preaches from. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And we could dive in and I could do a whole sermon just on Jesus' sermon um, and why the people wanted to kill him because of his sermon. So in your community groups, you guys can dive into that more. But what I want to focus on is that as was his custom, that Jesus, the Son of God, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, who was empowered by the Holy Spirit, he still on a regular basis would gather for worship, for teaching. This is so, so important. It's one of the, the, the best things you can do for your spiritual life is on a regular basis, schedule it in. Put this there, that this is what I do. I was talking to someone one time and they, you know, about making it a church, and it's like, man, sometimes I don't feel like it. Well, it's like, you gotta show up even when you don't feel like it. But really, and it's like, man, do you know how many times I don't wanna be here? There's a lot of times I don't feel like being here either. And this is my calling, this is my job, but you know what? We gotta be here. We gotta come together. This is so important. Someone shared this online. I thought this is so good. I wanna share it with you guys. They said, if you don't want church to feel like a routine, here's some tips for you. Maybe you wanna write these down. Number one, if you don't want church to feel like a routine, pray before you get there and ask God to speak to you through the service. Are you coming expecting God to speak through a song, through a, the, the text, through a sermon, through someone else? We should come with expectant hearts and pray it up. God, would you please speak to me? Number two, listen to worship music on the way here to prepare your hearts. What are you listening to? Anything, you know in your drive here. Number three, bring your own Bible with you instead of relying on the screens. You never know what's gonna happen, but also if you have your own Bible, you can make notes in there. One of the things that's beautiful about having your own physical Bible is that you can highlight things, you can put a date next to them when you feel like when you've heard a sermon or God has spoken to you, then you go back to that and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. God just met me there. Number four, don't run late. Number five, this is for all of us. Sing loudly like you mean it. Some like, I can't sing well. That's okay. God says, make a joyful noise. It's all right. We don't have to sing like Kim and Josh, right? 
Sing loudly like you mean it. Number six, take notes. And number seven, expect God to move. Expect God to move. Make this your regular custom. So we're going to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to schedule this in. This is important. Number three, to serve others. Number three, to serve others. Luke 4, 38 through 40. And he, Jesus, arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. All right, you might be like, okay, Eric. If I'm feeling spiritually dry and need of refueling, the last thing I want to do is serve somebody. Now, I hear you, but I believe that when we're feeling empty and need to reconnect with God, one of the best things we can do is take our focus off ourselves and focus our attention instead on serving someone else. What happened? Peter, Simon, his mother-in-law was sick. Jesus heals her. What does she immediately do? She hops up and starts serving Jesus and his disciples. What does Jesus do? He's out teaching, he's healing, he's doing all this stuff, and he's serving others throughout the whole day. He's giving, he's giving, he's giving, right? One of the best things we can do when we're feeling dry, when we're just feeling like, man, God's word is not speaking to me, like I don't know what to do, serve somebody else. I was doing the Green Book uh, this week with, with Hollis, and I was just sharing that, you know, it breaks my heart that we've had people that I've done the green book with, discipled them, they've gone through this, and then they choose to stop and never disciple someone else. And you know what almost always happens? That person then says, man, I'm just feeling really dry and stale right now. Well, you know what? Stop thinking about yourself and start serving somebody else. And the people that are serving, the people that are discipling, the people that are actually going out of their way to look at others, those are the ones that aren't feeling dry. So if you're feeling dry, try serving somebody else. Invest in someone else. If, if you don't have kids in your house, offer to go over to a young mom's house, watch her kids, clean her house, serve her, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, just what can you do to serve someone else? All right, I'm gonna stop preaching. Number four. Practice solitude. It's my fourth S. Practice solitude. Luke 4, 42. This is after Jesus is preaching and healing and all these things. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. You can read Luke. You can read Mark. You can read the Gospels. And on a regular basis, Jesus is getting up early. At night, he, he's going to a desolate place. He's sending the disciples ahead of him so he can be by himself. If Jesus, perfect filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, perfect relationship with his heavenly father, still needed to get away, still needed to practice solitude, to connect with his father. How much more do you and I need to do this? Before I asked Kristen to marry me, I went away to a cabin uh, at this like um, monastery place just to make sure this is what God wanted me to do, which she still thinks is weird. I didn't just know, but I was like, hey, I wanna pray about this. I wanna seek some solitude. And that was the first time ever doing that. And there's these little cabins in the woods and these monks just drop off like baskets of food for you, but you're by yourself. And I gotta tell you, after a little while, I started going a little crazy like by myself in the woods. Like this is, kind of, ah, I don't know what to do. But it's good to do hard things, right? It's good to do things that stretch us and challenge us. 
Practicing solitude is an invitation to bring a pause to your mind and your body, to momentarily ignore your responsibilities and your to-do lists. It doesn't have to be long. Practicing a pause can be five minutes, or one minute, or even 30 seconds. I want you to learn to create pauses in your day in order to refuel your, your soul. In the same way, you can't refuel your car while it's in motion. You can't refuel your soul unless you stop and pause for a little bit. Refueling, though, it's not a command to do more. It's an invitation to be connected to your Heavenly Father, to be filled with the fullness of God. Most people find slowing down and being still to be very difficult, though, when their lives have become too full. Can you relate with any of these words? Busy, rushed, empty, stressed, fatigued. Here's something that might help you. These two words. Power button, okay? Turn off your car stereo. and If you're like me, you like music, podcast noise, and just drive in sounds for a little while. Take a walk or a jog without wearing headphones. Just listen to the, even the birds now. You know, you can establish a no-noise room or noise-free time zone in your home. This is tough when you have kids in your house, right? Wake up to an alarm rather than a radio station that you listen to while you're getting ready. Have one night a week with no TV, no computer screens, no staring at your phone. What we need is margin. Margin is that white space on the edge of a spiral notebook. Margin is space without activity. A life without margin is a life rapidly approaching chaos. A marginless day is crammed with running, driving, chasing, too little time to catch your breath, and limited time to think through or even decompress. If that describes you, you're likely an accident waiting to happen. You might just need to stop and pause. Stop saying yes to everything. Stop filling your life with too many good things and living a busy life with no margin, no space for God and what really matters. Stop so that you can refuel your soul and have spiritual depth to battle the superficiality of busyness. Stop scheduling your kids for so many activities. If your life is stuffed with busyness, my invitation is not to just stop everything and radically alter your life. You don't need to quit your job or drop your kids out of all activities. My invitation is to connect with God while living in the real world, while in your normal schedule. In Psalm 4610, one of my favorite psalms, you probably heard this, God invites us to be still and know that I am God. Refueling, it's not a command to do more. It's an invitation to be connected, to be filled with the Spirit, to stop and be still, to know God. Something happens that when we slow down, we turn off the noise of our lives, and we seek to connect with our friend, Jesus. Jesus' invitation to us is words like, abide in me, rest, remain, be still, Do you feel tired and worn out? I love what St. Augustine said. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our soul is restless until it finds its rest in you. God has made us for him, and our hearts and souls are restless until we can rest in him. Our soul finds rest in God alone, and God alone does our soul find rest. So, again, let's get practical. How can we rest in God? How do we learn to stop? Here's some things that has helped me. Stopping can be as simple as arriving at your next meeting or if you're in class, just five minutes ahead of time. So you're not rushed and busy. Just take a pause before your next meeting, next class, 
Maybe read a Bible verse or just slow down, pray. Stopping can be getting in your car and before you turn on the ignition, before you click on your seatbelt, just take 30 seconds to be still and connect with God. Stopping and being still can happen if you're alone in the bathroom. Lock the door, keep your kids out, right? Just be still. If it's something you're not used to, you gotta start small. Again, little spots throughout the day, 30 seconds, a minute here. I'm not saying like this whole, like you gotta be you know, off in, in solitude for a whole day or something like that. Like if you're out of shape physically, you're not gonna start by just trying to run a marathon, right? You're gonna try, first I'm gonna learn how to walk a half a mile, walk a whole mile, start to jog around the block. Same thing with learning how to be still, how to abide, how to get refueled. It's gonna take some time, but it's so worth it. So here's the thing, friend. There is a battle for your soul and for my soul. And our enemy, the devil, wants us hurried and living on empty. Why? Because you're not a threat when you're empty. Emptiness is ineffectiveness. Empty is where Satan wants you. If you're going to move forward spiritually, if you're going to experience depth and closeness to God and live out his desires for your life, if you want to experience all the fullness, you have to learn how to regularly refuel. God wants to use us to advance his kingdom, his kingdom that is marked by love and grace and hope. In God's kingdom, there's always those who are on the outside who get invited to come in and sit and dine at God's banquet table. In God's kingdom, God's people are not marked by their past, but by their relationship with the one who gave his life for us. So God wants to use us to bring his kingdom to flourish here on earth. Do you know what God's plan is to establish his kingdom, to reach lost and broken people? It's us, his church. We are the plan. There is no plan B. If I was God, it's a good thing I'm not, right? I'd send a thousand angels to do the job. But it's us. We have the job. We have the mission to help people who are hurting, who are broken, to invite them into community, to invite them into love. We have an opportunity now as we point our hearts towards Easter. Easter is one of those times, and Christmas, where people are more receptive to an invitation. Be praying, God, who can I invite? Who can I invite with me to Mosaic? If, if there's no way they can go to four o'clock service, invite them with you to another service. Because what we want is to build God's kingdom, not our kingdom, amen? We want people to meet Jesus, whether it's here or another church. We want hurting people to find hope, amen? We want lonely people to find community. We want people to meet Jesus. But in order to do that, we have to be filled. We cannot do this on our own strength. We have to seek the Holy Spirit, to say, Jesus, give me your spirit. I need to be filled by your spirit. I need to be led by your spirit. We have to make it a priority to get together in our community groups, to worship, to seek the scriptures together, to to inspire one another, to encourage one another. We have to serve each other, serve others, get our eyes off ourselves. We have to practice solitude, stillness. Again, that's gonna look different for all of us. For Ryan, it might mean taking a drive by himself and not blasting Disney tunes, you know? Uh, uh, you know, for, for, for me, I, I practice it in, in the sauna at Lifetime, right? Sometimes I, people know I'm a pastor now, so they ask me weird questions in there, but I try to practice my stillness in there. Other, I don't know what it is. We, we live in a beautiful state, uh, even in winter. Find a lake, walk around it, Rice Lake, it's amazing, right? 
Find some t- opportunities. You know, you got class, right before your class, 30 seconds, pause, be still, just breathe. This isn't new age mumbo jumbo. It's saying, I can't do this on my own. We have to be connected to our Heavenly Father. We have to be connected with God if we're going to be effective. Our enemy wants us ineffective. Our enemy wants us running on empty, on fumes. That is not God's desire for us. God's desire is that you and I be filled with all the fullness of God. With love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, overflowing out of us. With showing grace and compassion to one another. With overflowing friendliness. And just praying for each other. Bearing one another's burdens. Forgiving easily. There's so many hurting people. God wants to use us to make a difference. Will you commit to being refueled by taking these steps? Let's pray. And the worship band is going to bring us uh, to a close with one more song. Jesus, I thank you for your example, how you served others, how you regularly went to the synagogue and worshiped with, with, with your people, how you practiced solitude, how you're filled with the Spirit, how you're led by the Spirit. And God, that's our desire as well. God, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture, and we know You've invited us to participate with you to bring hope to this hurting world. And God, we know here in Maple Grove and Osseo and Brooklyn Park and Crystal and New Hope and Dayton and Rogers, there are people who are hurting, people who are looking for some hope, uh, looking just for something different. So God, we ask you would use us, make a difference. God, we wanna see people first time salvations on Easter. God, I pray for every church here in Maple Grove that they'd be filled that people would turn from darkness into light. God, I pray that, that each and every one of us, you put someone on our mind and in our heart that we could invite and they would respond to that invitation. God, we don't wanna be ineffective. We don't wanna be empty. We wanna be filled with your fullness and we can't do that on our own strength. So God, for those of us who are weary, who are tired, who are a little under the weather, God, just give us your rest. God, I pray that this message wouldn't feel like just something else we have to do, but we just walk into that invitation to be connected. That your Holy Spirit would just come meet with us to fill us, to sustain us. And God, that when we get our eyes off you, you turn it back on you. When we try to do it in our own strength, God, we would, we would just walk in your spirit. God, I pray for all the tired moms right now who have little ones and, and they are tired of being touched all the time and just get no breaks. God, give them an opportunity just to have some stillness, some, some moments of peace. God, I pray for the dads in this room who are just struggling to, to be the man that you want them to be. Just carrying the weight. God, I pray you would be our strength. God, I pray for those right now in this room who have adult kids who walked away from you. God, your heart is for the prodigal. And you know the sons and daughters 
of those in this room who need to come back to you. So I pray right now, God, for hope for those parents, for strength. And God, we pray that those prodigal sons and daughters would come back to you. God, I pray for those right now who need a touch of healing, who are sick, who are hurting, chronic pain, illness. God, that you would be our healer. And God, as a community, we'd know how to serve each other and love each other and, and take care of each other. God, I pray for the grieving right now. They just have a heaviness in their heart. God, that you would lift their burdens. God, and all the other needs. Uh, the need for a new job. God, you know the needs. We give them to you. So right now, we just ask that you, we, we just know that your spirit is here, that you are with us. And so fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this song. This is, we've done this a couple times now. And um, I love the words of this, that the same spirit that hovered over the waters of creation, that parted the Red Sea, that came on Jesus at his baptism, that he lives inside you and me. And, and you don't have to be enough because Jesus' spirit lives in you and that is enough. So let's go out of here uh, singing this last song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.